MSW Media. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That's what he said. That's what I said. That's obviously what our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to the MSW Book Club. I'm your host, AG. You can call me Allison Gill now if you want, or AG. I'm fine with that. Today, we are kicking off our, I think it's an eight-part series, on the book Go Back to Where You Came From and Other Helpful Recommendations on How to Become an American. And uh, joining me is the author, columnist for The Daily Beast, co-host of the Democracy-ish podcast. He once was a consultant for the State Department, Wajahat Ali. Hello, Waj, how are you? Hello, hello. Should I call you A.G. Allison or your, the Indian name that people used to refer to you <laughs> as when you were growing up? Ali, Gil, Gil Ali, Ali would be Ali, Gil Ali. <laughs> we were having, uh, everyone, we were having a brief discussion um, before we began recording. Uh, I had watched an episode where uh, Waj and, and a group of other people were talking about how their names often get mispronounced and, and they were asked the best mispronunciations of their names that they had heard. And this ties into the book. So let's talk about that. What what are some of the of your favorite, uh, quote unquote, mispronunciations of your name, Waj? Uh, uh, I, you know, the t- the top ones have to be Waj of the Hutt. You can't you can't even get like offended because it just sounds so dope. Like ho ho ho, Waja the Hut, Wajalot. So I'm like a member of Camelot apparently, or Sir Wajalot, Sir Mixalot, right? Yeah, yeah, sir, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I like booty and I also like the grill. Uh, Wajalot, Waja the Hut, what you want, uh, Wajajat. Uh, I was once transformed, I think, into a, a Spanish boy, uh, Wahahat, by a substitute teacher. That was awesome. And I just, I didn't say anything. I'm like, let's see how long it goes. And fuck, the whole day he just called me Wahad. We thought that was hilarious. And then uh, watch your ass, wash your, wash your ass, and um, where's your hat? Those are the classics. Mm, yeah, yeah. What's your ass? I think was yeah. um, always a favorite. Um, and and let's you know we're at beginning there. Let's talk about what prompted you to write this book because it's first of all I've been a fan of yours for a long time. You're hilarious. I love your commentary because you know when I started the whole Mueller she wrote podcast, I'm like if mm. we don't make this funny, everyone's going to fall asleep. Uh, and so I'm I'm very interested to to know why and how you you came to inject comedy into these serious issues. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, also, if you if you don't inject humor sometimes, not just fall asleep, you just get depressed and cry, <laughs> especially with the, the multitude of horrors that we have to face every day as Americans and just as people living in 2022 during a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic that has killed 5 million people. But apparently I'm the only one who <laughs> realizes we're living in a pandemic. But I digress. Um, you know, with humor, oftentimes it's done for multiple reasons. Number one, I actually enjoyed making people laugh growing up. So there is something about storytelling and making people laugh. It's like you feel good. You, it's nice to see people smile. 
Uh, but humor, if used intentionally, um, can be a very potent weapon. You can dismantle stereotypes. You can dismantle bullies, uh, disrobe them, humiliate them, uh, humble them. Uh, you can sweeten the medicine. So even with Mueller, she wrote, right? There's, you you want to give your audience uh, some lessons uh, and that those lessons might be dry and complex. So if you inject a little levity in there, sweetens the medicine, lets the average Jose and Jane swallow it. And then also what it does is they've shown that with humor and when people laugh, right? They, they release endorphins, which makes them more susceptible to otherwise hostile political and cultural ideas that they would automatically dismiss. They're willing to go along for the ride if they're laughing. And so maybe you can Trojan horse eh, some truths or at least some narratives that they otherwise would not be willing to engage with. That's why it's very potent when done well. And I hope throughout my career, people realize that the humor is just like a, a nice dressing. I, you know, I try to talk about serious issues, but you know, oftentimes, Humorists and satirists and comedians talk about the most deadly serious issues, but from an askew angle. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, for a very long time, I was a comedian. We always, you know, the, the cardinal rule is to, uh, you know, never punch down, always punch up and then right. and then be self-deprecating. And that's how you disarm people uh, and bullies, especially uh, that, you know, f for years now, I've been called like a hope porn flying monkey wrangler. Uh, and instead of what that sounds amazing, I know. So that's like that's like the greatest wrestler name or like the greatest <laughs> punk rock name of all time. Yeah. So now it's in my bio, right? Because then <laughs> it's it sort of removes that uh, the ability of people to to think that that somehow is insulting or or deprecating to someone else. Because there's a lot of performative cruelty out there, and even the title of mm. your book is is mm. humor. Go go back to where you came from, uh, and and I wonder sometimes, you know, if if people. Don't, like, I remember when I interviewed, I was just a music interview where I was doing like music magazine stuff back in the day. And I interviewed the Bare Naked Ladies. And that a lot of times people are run across and become fans of the Bare Naked Ladies when they were looking for something else, mm. like Bare Naked Ladies. And and so, <laughs> you know, I'm wondering how many people might pick up or grab your book or, or be interested, at least in the cover of your book, for the wrong reasons. Oh, that's a really good question. No one's asked me that so far because you know the funny thing is, is the is the is the book is available at um, Hudson New Sellers at airports. I just think it's awesome that someone can buy a book with the title "Go Back to Where You Came From," like aha, and then you know, at, at an airport. You know, it's one of those situations where uh, that'd be amazing if someone buys the book that says finally. This man articulates my rage against these darkies who are invading the country. And then they sit there and like, and then and the book starts with hate mail. Like, yes, yes, this is it. And then like they read my responses to the hate mail. I'm really curious how long they'd last. Maybe they'd be like enticed enough to go along with the ride. But with the title of the book, it's interesting. You laugh, but some people, they're like, man, why'd you have to go? Why'd you have to traumatize? Why'd you have to trigger us? Because it's a very triggering statement. Go back to where you came from. And other helpful recommendations on how do you become American. And the title, the juxtaposition is very deliberate. It shows you right from the uh, get-go how it is for the rest of us. The, the rest of us who are still aren't seen as Americans, who still have an asterisk. Even though we're born and raised in this country, as you know, I was born and raised in Fremont, California. I'm still told to go back. Go back where? And then the second part of the title is where the tongue-in-cheek comes in. It's my response. It's it's that can-do attitude of America. And you too can be American if you just have grit and, you know, pull yourself up from your bootstraps. So that kind of, I think, straps you in for the type of ride that I hope uh, people experience with the book. Well, blunt truths, 
but then also some responses that are able to unpack it with some humor uh, and some dark humor as well, which is which is necessary in life. Because if you aren't if you aren't laughing, sometimes you're going to be crying. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and you know, I've got a, a friend who, for his podcast, spends the first five minutes reading all of his one star reviews. Um, <laughs> and then I have uh, my aunt actually thought that the Colbert rapport was not ironic. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm with him. Yeah. You know. Oh, that's amazing. And so that's that kind of, amazing. I was wondering sort of how long it would take somebody to get into your how, book. How long did it take her? Um, until I told her. Wow. I was like, aunt, aunt. That's just the genius of Colbert. Cause he did that all in character. I was like, um, aunt, aunt, I'm not going to say her name. I was like, Hey, you know, he's kidding. <laughs> And he's, right. and he's mocking Bill O'Reilly like, no, that's no, he's a patriot. Satire. That's, you know, trying to, trying to, and that's kind of why when, when I read your, the title of your book, I was like, my aunt would like that one. But then she would, I wonder how many pages in she'd be like, wait a minute. Or what? But see, that's, that, that's the line, right? So you have to skirt that line that you don't get so into character that those who have those bigoted views use that as ammunition as, and like say, aha, he's our guy, right? So like, you have to pull the rug in pretty quickly to make make them realize that you, you make sure you don't give them ammo for their hate. Let me put it that way. I, I know I didn't do that. And I know Steven didn't do that, but I just think he did it so well because he was in character, whereas I don't have to do that, mm-hmm. that a lot of people can can go along for the right and say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's I agree with you, Stephen Colbert. That's right. Mm-hmm. And like he's inviting these stupid liberals on and he's mocking them, <laughs> even though he's the joke. He's the butt of the joke. Yeah. And I think that that's perfect. I love that kind of humor. So what uh, what was it that I mean this memoir and and uh, among other things I mean there's a lot of lessons in here what what prompted you to to finally sit down and write it I mean I, I'm I'm imagining this was a long time coming Yeah so it's interesting my agent has been after me for like 9 years and I was like eh now's not the time I don't know and then something about about to turn 40 and it was the pandemic and my daughter had just survived stage four cancer. And, the, you know, we're in the, 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 we're still in the middle of a pandemic. And I think uh, it, like I have these midlife crises every 10 years or maybe every five years and honestly, probably once a year since the age of 21. And I'm like, I'm 40. What, am, what have I done with my life? What am I going to do? And I was thinking about that. And then I was just thinking about where we are in a country. And then the, when it comes to writing a book like this, the, the only thing that was confusing to me was like, how do I come up with a structure? That's what kept me like just stuck. And then, you know, like, what's the arc? Because I had these stories and I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to do navel gazing. I don't want to make a culturally specific story just talking about myself. I want to connect it to the themes of America. And then it just kind of hit me. I'm like, I'm turning 40 in six months. I think it's the time now. And I think this particular story told in this kind of experimental way, because is it a memoir? Is it a commentary? Like, I don't even call it a memoir. I just said it's like this. And then the, and then the book uh, publisher is like, we got to. We got to put it into a category. I'm like, all right, what category? Like, like I guess memoir. I'm like, sure. <laughs> that's that's how we came up with the category. But I thought that this narrative arc could, at this particular time, tell Americans how it is for the rest of us who live in a country that doesn't love us back. It's an elegy for the rest of us. And I thought there was an appetite, especially with the post-George Floyd protest, that there's enough people there who are at least curious as to how the rest of us Americans live. And the rest of us Americans are just like any other Americans. And if we really want this country to survive as a multiracial democracy, and I think some people don't, ladies and gentlemen, then we have to push and expand and stretch this country to accommodate the people who look like me uh, and others, right? And because there's an 
with you and your podcast, I'm sure you feel like there's a sense of urgency that people aren't realizing that these uh, democracy and these American values that we take for granted, they're under active assault and threat. So how do I respond? What superhero powers do I have? Well, once in a while, I could tell a story. So let me see if I could tell a story of America through a culturally specific lens and make it entertaining. And I remember I wrote the first draft, which is a very strong draft, uh, in three months. So some people ask, like, oh, how long did it take you to write the book? One answer could be three months, mm. but the real answer is 40 years. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and it's hard too. And, you know, I mean, narrowing stuff down, finding a focus and finding an arc and finding out how it connects to the theme of America today uh, is very difficult. I'm also working on a book. And so, you know, I've got, oh, good, I good, was fantastic. Navy, I was a podcaster, I was a comedian, I was a musician, I, you know, worked for the Department of Veterans Affairs as an executive. I've, I have this whole, I've got a doctorate degree, I've got this, all these things sort of scattered everywhere. Uh, and like you, you write for the Daily Beast, you host a podcast, you're a lawyer, uh, playwright, TV host, you know, consultant for the State Department, Al Jazeera, you've got this whole, you know, background, um, and you're trying to, you know, your agent is on you to try to pick a thing, you know, like and go with it. And so for, you know, for for you, it's through the lens of 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 you. Right. And how and how that impacts America and what that means for democracy. And for me, it's how to speak out. And um, well, that's exactly it. Right. It's it's like you'll you'll find once you as you write this and, and writing, you know, they say writing is therapeutic, but writing also allows an individual to take the incoherence of their mind and create a narrative, right? And so when you when you when you write it out, you look back and you go, "Oh, that makes sense. I did all these different things because I'm actually motivated by these passions mm -hmm. to tell the story, to tell stories that are by us for everyone, to expand the tent, right? To hopefully use whatever superhero powers that we have to make things better, right? You see like threads that explain why you uh, you know, you just mentioned like seven awesome things you did. You'll find the connective tissue there. You will. Just like I found the connective tissue to all these different things that I did. And I'm like, oh, at the end of the day, I'm just basically a kid who wanted to share stories. And I wanted to share stories by us and make us the co-protagonists of the American narrative. And I want to uplift those narratives and stories that are often missing and excised and villainized in America. And I realize that stories and writing is how the rest of us have always fought back in a country that suppresses us, hyphenates us, and puts asterisks on us. And storytelling is the glue. It's the, it's the glue that connects human beings. So if I can tell this story and share this story, maybe, just maybe, I can do my small part in pushing things forward, right? And so that that's the thing. When you write your book, you're like, I've done all these different things. What what part do I focus on? <laughs> and then once you get that that spine, you're like, oh, that's how it all connects. Yeah. And I think that, that a lot of us, and especially people listening to this, uh, a lot of what motivates us is to preserve and perfect democracy. That's right. Um, and, and if w anything that you've done in your life toward that end has that underpinning. And, and so I think that that's why, um, your, your, why your book is so important is because it gives voice to, to one of those, you know, specific underpinnings from all of these different things that you've done. And so, uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to to digging into it. We're going to do, you know, maybe 30, 40, 50 pages uh, every week. That's, awesome. That's uh, awesome. And I'll just I'll basically be uh, telling the story and encouraging people. But I'm not just going to read the book. Right. Because because <laughs> then it's like, well, why would I buy it? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to give you thoughts and perspectives and and kind of mush it together. And so that means that everyone you have to buy your own copy of go back to where you came from uh, and um, get into the first, you know, uh, 30, 40, 50 pages 
and or you know it's it's hard to put down so you might just finish it it goes fast yeah it goes fast it does and it, it uh, because of the storytelling is amazing no no i appreciate you know what, what i'll say is this when, when we're talking about your life is and what i've noticed with the book which it's been a month since it's come out right so oftentimes i would say people of color even women are are told uh that you have to just you know sideline all the specificity uh, because the mainstream, which has always been code word for white, does not like these ethnic stories, right? So all the woman stuff and the girl stuff, put it on the background, the immigrant stuff, the brown stuff, the the merch, the masala, the different languages, just, yes, it's very scary and it's very ethnic. And what I've found is the more specific you get, that actually allows more entryways for people to come into your story. And so I talk about husky pants. I talk about being left-handed. I talk about being, being the son of, of immigrants. I talk about ESL. And people are like, oh, this is just too insular. That's not the case. Like so many different folks are like, they'll latch on to, they might not be uh, people of color or children of immigrants. They're like, I wore husky pants. <laughs> they, they're, like, they're like, yeah, <laughs> they're like, oh my God, there's someone else. Husky, like the tear comes. I can just see the tear the coming down their tear. eye. Yeah. Oh yeah, or like you know my, you know I know someone who was incarcerated. I also was poor. I also wanted to be a storyteller. You know, and so it's it's the the dominant narrative. What it always does in America, and you can see this happening in politics. Literally right now, what's happening with banning CRT and don't say gay and everything else that's happening in Texas and Florida, is you are a sidekick. You are a tenant in America and you have to be invisible or hide who you really are or don't say it too loud because you, we, we, we don't want you to threaten the master narrative. But instead, when you actually lean in hard and, and own it, that's where you see people get very inspired and they're like, oh, he went all in. She went all in. And oh, she had she and like had all this interesting different things. And oh, look at that. I, I have an entry point into this story. Yeah. And not only that, but I mean, I've heard it over and over again, whether I'm doing podcasts or uh, writing op-eds or, do, you know, they're like, hey, broaden it up, make it a little more ambiguous, make it so yeah. more people are into it, make it more commercial um, with comedy, with music, with everything, anything you create. Um, that's that's sort of people. people well, how, how are you going to get a 46 year old white dude from Pacoima to, to be interested <laughs> in your thing? And you're like husky pants. That's how. Uh, it, but you know, I I I learned that lesson pretty hardcore during a doc, during a doctoral dissertation. You know, there you're like, mm. I'd like to do it on this, and they're like, narrow it down a bit. And you're like, all right, this, and you narrow it down a bit. And finally, my end my ending uh, title for my dissertation was: Is the national incentive to reduce missed opportunities effective in the PT clinics in the VA La Jolla system? Like it's it's so there you go. tiny. Uh, the same thing happened with the podcast. You know, a lot of comedians just come out and do a podcast and it's just, well, it's just comedy. We're just talking comedy. Uh, my podcast was specifically about the Mueller investigation and also happened to be funny. So my my advice to anyone who wants to start a podcast or write something or create something is to find an, a niche that you are passionate mm. about and be funny at that or, you know, do a gardening podcast, but put it in the comedy section. You know, something that you know, narrows it down for people because like like you said, and, and we talked about this the last time you and I spoke before the book was going to come out, is uh, is all of the people, all the moneymakers trying to tell you to to commercialize this and make it more top 40. And that's, I think, antithetical to what actually works. 
Well, and also antithetical to the lived experience and who you are as a human being, right? Like you just become an amoeba then. <laughs> you, you know, it's like it's like really messy yogurt spread out. It's not even like the tasty yogurt. It's not even like Greek yogurt or like with berries. It's just like yogurt. And so you're like, you're just like it's like yogurt being splat on the It's like that the stuff sidewalk. they eat in Aliens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 and just like, ugh. The and they only eat that. Yeah, yeah, they only eat it because they have to. And they, they pretend it tastes like chicken in the Matrix. And, and, and that's exactly it. And like, there's no joy and it also because you are the one who are who's creating this right you're spending your time you're pouring your heart out if there's no joy what's the point like you know I, I should go back and try to become a corporate attorney and you should go back and like you know work at the va and get benefits and you know why do we do why else do what you what you what you're doing if you can't be yourself and then i found that if you do it well and you infuse it with some passion, you will find an audience. And so I've been very lucky. I've been very lucky. That was the fear for some of these folks that, oh, who will who will care? Someone told me this. Why will anyone care about a brown Muslim kid's story? And I'm like, I think people will care. I'll write it really well. And I think people will care. And they said, you know, I really liked your commentary in the book. And when you're explaining things about America, but your personal story, I don't, who will care? I'm like, that's, what will actually move hearts i've heard the same and, thing and i went all in in it and i and i'm so happy that my my risk paid off yeah yeah it's truly amazing and i'm so glad you did it this way and i'm gonna be looking for that as i go through this as i go through your book tell is there anything else before i let you go here that we should be looking for anything uh, that you want us to know before we dig in you know, look, it's 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 a culturally specific story. It doesn't represent all South Asians, people of color, Muslims. It's one story, but uh, it's a story which I think you'll see both the American dream and the American nightmare. It's kind of a reverse story where we started off really good and then things crashed. And, you know, it's there's humor in there, but there's also heartbreak and there's also hope. And so maybe when you're reading this story, uh, and, and I would love to hear the reader's response to this is, you know, was I honest with the with the heartbreak and the humor? And is the hope at the very least earned in a meaningful way? Is the hope earned? Mm -hmm. Let me leave it at like I'll leave it at that. Yeah. And, and we will have you back on the final episode of this series to answer honored, questions honored. from uh, answer questions from our patrons and if you aren't a patron of this show you can become one at patreon.com slash muller she wrote uh, or supercast and so i'm i'm looking forward to getting into this and i thank you for joining me today everybody get your copy it's called go back to where you came from from wajahat ali that's w-a-j-a-h-a-t the hut no uh, <laughs> ali and uh if you can get it wherever your book's are sold and you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts except Spotify. So thanks very much, Waj. I appreciate your time today. Thank you, AJ. I appreciate it. Everybody, we'll be back next week to dig into the first couple of chapters. Until then, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health and vote blue over Q. I've been AG and this is the MSW Book Club. The MSW Book Club is executive produced by Allison Gill in partnership with MSW Media and written by Allison Gill and Dana Goldberg. Sound design and engineering by Molly Hockey. Jesse Egan is our copywriter and our art and web designer by Joelle Reeder and Moxie Design Studios. The MSW Book Club is a proud member of MSW Media, a group of creator-owned podcasts focused on news, justice, and politics. For more information, visit mswmedia.com. M. S. W. Media.